Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We are back in the screening room in full holiday movie mode. She is Hope Madden. <laughs> He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com and the Screening Room Podcast, sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater, now featuring the 70 feet wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounger recliners. And let's get right to it. First up, the new one from Pixar, aspiring musician Miguel, confronted with his family's ancestral ban on music, enters the land of the dead to work out the mystery, Coco. Once every year, our ancestors come back to our world. Please have a safe journey. To see family <laughs> and friends. But no living person has ever visited their world. Until now. We don't know where we are. Miguel? What is going on? Remind me how I know you? They're your family. We have to get you back home. Welcome! Anything to declare? Uh, as a matter of fact, yes. This is a fun story and a gorgeous, gorgeous movie, especially once they get to the land of the dead, right? Pixar. We've kind of come to expect that from yeah, Pixar, haven't we? Really we really have. Yeah. You know, and actually, I think that that, in a lot of ways, is the downfall of this movie, right? Because when you, when you, you gear, gear up to see a Pixar movie, you're expecting something like up or toy story or i mean honest to god animated masterpieces is that really fair it to isn't. judge them against know, right? their prior excellence it isn't and that's it's kind a of an thing. ironic catch-22 there it yeah it is it is because coco is a really good movie and it's much better than any of the other animated films i've seen this year yeah it looks great it's fun but it just doesn't it's just not you know in the in the upper echelons of a pixar film you know it's very rarely laugh out loud funny there's some dead space you know in the in the like first half of the film before they sort of get to the land of the dead. But it's a charming movie. The characters are, are very fun. Once you're in the land of the dead, I mean, there's just so much to look at. It is so, you know, just brimming with colors and images and And you can and you can give it a lot of props for being so multicultural. Yeah, yeah, it is actually really, really nice. Uh, it's set in Mexico on uh, Dia de los Muertos. All of the um, acting talent is... Uh, Which is like, translate for us, by the way. That day means of the Dead. Day, day of, of the, the dead. dead, okay. It's the day after Halloween. It's a, it's a big celebration. And you put out food and the things that your, your deceased loved ones loved, and they can visit you. And that's really where this all happens, because Miguel... He's from a family that, that has banned music because great-great-great-grandfather left his family to pursue his musical career. So great-great-great-great-grandmother had to learn how to make shoes to support the family. So the whole, all the generations, they just make shoes and they, they won't listen to music. But Miguel wants to be a musician. No music for you. No music. So he steals the guitar from a local hero, long-dead local hero, the greatest musician of all time. And he plays it, and it transports him to the to the dead. So, so again, what Pixar d likes to do a lot is enter a secret world. Exactly. It might be toys. It might be you know the secret world of your mind or pets. But they, that's kind of a trope that they use a lot to great effect. Yeah. But they're doing it again here. And also the sort of be who you are, follow your dreams. Mm -hmm. It's very reminiscent of a lot of films, particularly Ratatouille. And I think that's one of the, the weaknesses of it too is that this is their nineteenth film. And 19 movies in, you can really start to see 
similarities, right? You're, you're starting to see ideas being borrowed. But again, I mean, it, you're kind of nitpicking. It's a, it's a really, it's a fun movie. I think kids will like it. I think it is really great to finally see a film that's set entirely, you know, I mean, even Pixar films all, all tend to be very Eurocentric. Mm-hmm. So it's great to see one that's set in Mexico that has Latino talent and just takes us on this interesting journey. And, and for me, um, the land of the dead I mean, it's a fascinating place, right? Everybody's a skeleton. I love yeah. the sugar skulls. I love all of that. I think that's really super cool. But it is in no way spooky. So in case you're worried about taking your littlest yeah. kids, yeah. there's nothing spooky about this movie. Um, it's gorgeous, and it's fun, and it's sweet. But it's just when Pixar has to put up new things against their prior excellence. Yeah. yeah it's like, do we all want to be judged by our best days that we've ever had? <laughs> but they have been so great mm-hmm. so often that when they do do a... Even when they do a legitimate slip-up, like for us, the Cars series Ugh. doesn't measure up. This is nowhere... Oh, my God, down, no. No, 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 but no, it's, just no. Not, it's just not an upper Toy Story. No. But still, quite enjoyable, and that's Coco. Another holiday offering uh, next up is The Journey That Led to Charles Dickens' Creation of Christmas Carol, a timeless tale that would redefine the holiday. This one is The Man Who Invented Christmas. It's about a miser, and on Christmas Eve... He meets some kind of supernatural guides. Does it have a title? Humbug a Miser's Lament. Christmas ghost story, Christmas song. Christmas ballad, something like that. Get the name right and the character will appear. Scratch. Scrounger. Come on. Scrooge. Shut the window. You think I'm made of money? Mr. Scrooge. How delightful to meet you, sir. Sorry, I can't say the same. You and I are going to do wonderful things together. Yeah, I think saying he invented Christmas might be a little bit uh, of an exaggeration. Yeah, but, uh, I think you're probably right. You know, Christmas right. Carol certainly gave the Christmas spirit a boost, as this movie points out, back in 1843. It was published just, just days before Christmas in 1843 over a real looming publishing deadline. It sold out immediately and caused a big spike in charitable giving. Nice. And of course has since become just a a timeless classic. But here what they do is they mix biography and fantasy and whimsy with with kind of never settling in one camp or the other. And I think that's what hurts the film. It's The director is Bharat Naluri, who did Miss Pettigrew Lived for a Day. We've got a a first-time feature screenwriter who is adapting uh, the book from a few years ago. And it does, it, it touches on some things in Dickens' life. Dickens is played by Dan Stevens. It's clear he was exercising some personal demons when he wrote A Christmas Carol. Not only had he not had a hit in a while, and it seems funny to think of those authors back then in terms of like like a musician. You need a hit. Yeah. But he did. He had some, some book flops, and they were looking on something, looking to him for something new, and he needed inspiration. So uh, not only was he exercising some, some personal demons from his past, but then when he got the inspiration, that's when the fantasy in the movie comes up. All of a sudden, he's interacting with the actual character, Mr. Scrooge, played by Christopher Plummer, who is great, of course. Always, always. You know? And so they have that back and forth, and that's where the whimsical fantasy comes in. And it just never quite settles into one or the other. It's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly satisfactory. It's a great, it'll be a, a nice family film over the uh, over the holidays and it gets you it, it gets you um, a little bit of a renewed appreciation for a christmas carol because everybody does it you know you it's see true. it is so tired so, it is so tired but it's when you when you break it down into the aspects of of building it from from nothing and you see how he he built it up from a blank page and built the story it's it's constructed 
just masterfully. Yeah. Uh, as a book, as a oh, story. Oh, yeah, no question. It's just that it's been, it's like that song, that classic song. It's like Stairway to Heaven that you've heard over and over and over. You lose an appreciation for it. Yes. So this movie definitely gives you that, but it and it gives you a peek into the biography. But for me, what it did then was made me more curious about maybe some of those darker edges in Dickens's background that this film would rather trade for wholesomeness. Mm-hmm. It wants to keep that wholesomeness for the holidays, so it, it just kind of touches on things that he was working out and then and then uh, glosses that over with the whimsy of actually conversing with uh, Ebenezer Scrooge to finish the book. So, yeah, it's perfectly satisfactory, but nothing overly memorable, and that's the man who invented Christmas. Also out this week is the return of Denzel Washington, starring as Roman Israel, a driven, idealistic defense attorney who, through a tumultuous series of events, finds himself in a crisis that leads to extreme action. Roman J. Israel, Esquire. This law firm has run a deficit for years. You're firing me? You were the cornerstone of activism. You're inspiring. I'm tired of doing the impossible for the ungrateful. And you gotta make a living. Take care of yourself. I am. I know where CJ's hold up. What's that worth? A lot. Don't tell nobody. Everything we discuss will be confidential. Each one of us is greater than the worst thing we've ever done. This is one that we've both been looking forward to, not only because you always look forward to whatever Denzel Washington has to do, but because Dan Gilroy returns, yeah. the writer-director who did Nightcrawler a couple of years ago, which we loved. Yeah, I loved that. It was so brilliantly cynical, and it had a lot to say, and it really brought him out of nowhere as a oh, yeah. as a filmmaker, a writer-director, to really keep an eye on. So you're right. We were looking forward to this one. And it doesn't quite rise to the level of Nightcrawler, but does it does have a lot to say. He's a good writer. Uh, and he's a solid director. And this is, and of course, Denzel. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to go wrong. Yes. And he is flat out fantastic because this is a character. He's a great character. And this movie is a great character study, mm-hmm. which really, when you think about it, is the same formula that Nightcrawler yes. used. Yeah. That was a great character there. And it, and, then, and then it fleshed out what it wanted to, to comment on and its, its view, its worldview from that character study. And this movie does that. Uh, in a very similar way, Roman Israel is a an attorney who doesn't have great social skills. I mean, he could very well be on the spectrum. We sure. don't know that for sure, but he has those tendencies. He's he's kind of his coworkers kind of call him savant like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he kind of stays in the background, works with the papers, doesn't do a lot uh, out with the public. Although he has decades in the past in civil rights activism. Uh, but anyway, he's thrust back into the front of the office, you should say, when his partner, his longtime partner, suffers an incapacitating stroke. So one thing leads to another. They have to fold the office up, and he ends up working for the suave and successful George Pierce, played by Colin Farrell. Who is having a hell of a year. Another guy having a big, big year, and he's also solid in this movie, as he almost always is. So then things start to happen where Roman starts to trade his long-held morals and beliefs for a little bit of the good life mm-hmm. and is seduced a little bit by the dark side. And he makes a couple of choices that come back to bite him in the end. And, you know, it does make some nice comments about the systemic inequalities of our criminal justice system, mm-hmm. definitely. And it does carve out a very memorable character. The trouble comes in toward the end when Gilroy and Roman have to get themselves out of this corner that they're in now. And it starts to get a little tidy 
you know, a little too preachy, maybe a little too idealistic. I am glad because I was fearing that it was all going to end up in some grand courtroom speech to everyone. And you know how much we love those. Mm. Uh, it doesn't do that That's because good. I think Gilroy is, is better than that, has better instincts than that. But uh, it does, and just a, l- a little too tidy for me. It didn't wreck the movie at all. And in fact, if, if, if nothing else, uh, Denzel's performance is worth seeing. Sure. But it's still another solid effort. Gilroy is a very good writer and a solid director. And uh, it's not, like I said, it's not quite up to Nightcrawler uh, standards, I think. But but I but here we are again, judging a movie yeah. by its path, by the the filmmaker's past excellence. But uh, it's hard not to do that when this is the very next movie right. that he made. But uh, still very solid. I thought Roman J. Israel Esquire uh, was very solid and worth seeing. Another one definitely worth seeing this week is a darkly comic drama. A mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder when they fail to catch the culprit. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. So, Mildred Hayes, why did you put up these billboards? My daughter Angela was murdered seven months ago. It seems to me the police department is too busy torturing black folks to solve actual crime. What the hell is this? On a good I'd do anything to catch your daughter's killer. I don't think those billboards is very fair. The time it took you to get out here whining like a bitch, Willoughby. Some other poor girl's probably out there being butchered right now. Keep a case in the public eye. The better your chances are getting it solved. So this is another one that we have really been looking forward to. The cast, unbelievable. But I think for us, the the big selling point is the writer-director, Martin McDonough. Yeah, he did In Bruges. Which we loved. Seven Second Pass, which was a little bit of a notch below In Bruges, but it was still really, really clever and fun. Yeah, I don't know how many people saw In Bruges, but everybody that did... Just has great, great love for yeah. that movie. Yep. Such great dialogue. And some some good dialogue in Seven Psychopaths as well. And that's what Martin McDonough really, that's where he shines. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and this movie definitely is full of it. Such, but this is, this is the best thing he's done. Yeah, yeah, it is. This is an awards contender, I think, in multiple, multiple categories. You've got this great writing, fantastic dialogue, and then you couple that with an incredible ensemble cast. And, you know, you're, you're more than halfway home right there. And this movie gets gets all the way home. It's Frances McDormand. She's she's the star here and just drives the movie. She is fantastic. Always. Yeah, always. As Mildred, a distraught mother in this small town who is still haunted by the fact that her daughter's killer has not been caught after seven, eight months. And so she decides to just rent these three abandoned billboards on her lonely drive home that just call out the sheriff. Why no arrests? And uh, that doesn't sit well, not only with the sheriff, who's played by Woody Harrelson. Another guy another having another a great guy. year. What a year. Man, so, so many people. We just mentioned Colin Farrell, uh, and, and now Woody. Uh, Nicole Kidman's had a big oh, year. I mean, there's a bunch of, been a bunch of actors this year that have had incredible years. So Woody is the sheriff. and Sheriff Woody. She- <laughs> yeah, Sheriff Willoughby in the movie. but And then his violent deputy, Sam Rockwell, who is also just fan. The three of these, the three, yeah. the whole ensemble is great. But in this movie, you've got Francis McDormand, Woody Harrelson, Sam Rockwell, all three award worthy. They are fantastic. Their reason alone to see this movie, but there's so many other reasons. So Mildred becomes a little small town pariah. She doesn't get much support in her quest to leave these billboards up. And as it goes along, it is darkly comic. I mean, there are some laugh out loud moments. Mm. And then. He will just put in some McDonough, I mean, the filmmaker, will put in just some some shocking tonal shifts that you don't see coming, like, whoa, that just turn everything on a dime. And you really see the, what the movie is interested in navigating is that contrast between the good and evil in ourselves mm. and how to kind of 
live with the people that we all can be both at some times and and grief and compassion so much there's this movie is really draped in compassion as well mm-hmm. uh, all the while it's getting really darkly comic laughs and some very sad moments too there's so much emotion so much humanity in this movie that it's just it's so worth seeing the writing the ensemble the directing and what the movie is saying so definitely recommend three billboards outside Ebbing Missouri and I think it's safe to say we'll be hearing that nominated uh, a few times during this upcoming award season a couple more this week out in limited release that are worth noting this one's set in the early 1960s and during the end of Vatican II a young woman in training to become a nun struggles with issues of faith, the changing church, and sexuality. It's called Novitiate. A nun? Oh, God, Lane. You're a 17-year-old girl. I was called, and I'm going to become a nun, and there's really nothing that you can say that's going to make me change my mind. The church gave me my work, my community, even my identity. And now the church is trying to invalidate all that, saying none of it matters. So my question is, what is it that really does still matter? So a novitiate is one of the steps, it's the label for one of the steps in becoming a nun. Uh, you're a novice before you are a nun, and so during while you're in training to become one, at a certain stage you are a novitiate. And this is what Catherine, the main character, is. Margaret Qualley plays Catherine, and it's just a really lovely performance. And it's a kind of a film that you might not expect made today about the Catholic Church. It's interesting. I mean, there is a, it's, it's a coming-of-age tale in its own way, so there are uh, elements of sexuality. One of the things that I think is interesting about this movie is the time period where it's set, which is as Vatican II is coming into effect. So it'd be the 60s, and the church was about to make some major changes, uh, like they were going to stop doing the Mass in Latin. You're going to uh, stop kneeling at the altar to get communion, and, and a lot of other major changes. And so the second lead character, which is the Reverend Mother, played by Melissa Leo in, a, in another great performance. So you've got this brand-new woman coming into the church, whose life is changing pretty dramatically because of the choice she's making. And then they're they're uh, opposing that to this woman who has devoted 40 years of her life to a church. And now the church is saying, well, we were wrong. We're going to do all these things differently. Yeah. And, and how that change is affecting her and her commitment to this, this life of Christ. And it's a really interesting movie. And it's a really well-told film. And it's another debut. This is the feature debut for writer-director Margaret Betts. And really a confident feature. And and what an interesting choice to make, because, again, it's not as if it's the type of Catholic film we we expect to be seeing, you know, uh, these days, right? I mean, it it doesn't have that kind of cynicism and, and ugliness about it. At the same time, it's not just like, you know, wholesome and gung-ho either. It's a very interesting and intimate portrait. And the the lead, Margaret Qualley, you might remember her. She played Amelia in The Nice Guys, which is a movie that oh, we yeah. loved. So you might, she doesn't look quite the same <laughs> no, here. No, she does not. But uh, she gives a, a definitely the great... The robes yeah, are a big <laughs> definitely difference. A great performance. That's Novitiate. And a foreign film in limited release this week, a story about a young man and woman who move into a small abandoned town in Iceland to renovate an old house. Little do they know, that town has a dark history. It's called I Remember You. It's a haunted house kind of a story. It's a ghost story of sorts. It's got two simultaneous stories, and they're sort of being held together by this idea, this mystery about this ghost. The one, these three fixer-uppers, by uh, a place on a, an island 
in Iceland that they're going to turn into a bed and breakfast because during tourist season, there is no place to stay on this island. And they are haunted. These three people are haunted. And then the simultaneous story is a man, a, a psychologist, has been asked to fill in for the doctor who would show up at his crime scene because the doctor is not available. And he's, of course, he's a doctor. He's just not a medical doctor. He's a psychiatrist. And when he gets there, there's it's an elderly woman. She's hung herself in a in a church. The church has been all like the, the word unclean was written in the wall. And, and the church has been all sort of broken all to pieces. And so it, because of this, he is kind of brought into this weird crime where all of these elderly people are dying. It looks like at their own hand, but in these very, very violent ways. But they all have this one connection to this word unclean and a boy who disappeared 50 years ago. Mm. And the connection with this this uh, a psychiatrist is that his son, four years ago, disappeared without a trace. And the opening line, the line that lets you know that this isn't exactly the movie that you think it is while he's examining this crime scene is, children don't go missing in Iceland. Mm-hmm. And and so, and it's, it's an interesting story where he's compelled by this mystery because of his own grief over his son and then you've got this other story unfolding at the same time and it's very interesting how are they going to come together what is the connection the problem with this movie is that it doesn't really make that connection particularly well the two separate stories are interesting enough especially of the fixer-uppers the the actual full-on ghost story is a very very interesting story the writing just doesn't pull everything together very satisfactorily so if you're looking for kind of a spooky story, it's not a bad one. It's a pretty good one, and it's pretty well filmed and pretty well acted. It's just not it's just not a great one. All right, fair enough. Moving on to the new releases on home video, Blu-ray, DVD, VOD. Three right off the top to say not worth your time. We've got Leap, we've got Valerian, and the City of a Thousand Planets, and Lemon. Lemon, Lemon is not nearly so bad as the other. I mean, Lemon okay. is just an awkward, awkward film. But it's it's not a bad movie. But yeah, oh my God, Leap and Valerian. Avoid those <laughs> like the plague. Another one out, Crown Heights. Uh, this is a movie, it stars Lakeith Stansfield, who was in Get Out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he was also in uh, Straight Outta Compton. Although he's really, I, I had a hard time recognizing him in this movie. But he plays a man who was wrongly imprisoned for 20 years for a crime he didn't commit. Sadly, this is a story we have seen w- way too often these horrible wrongs it is based on a true story it is definitely based on a true story so the film does a lot of things right but it ends up being a little one note a little summary of events rather than getting really underneath them for the most residents it can but i still i think it would, it's it's worth seeing well put together just a little bit maybe more of the same in crown heights the hitman's bodyguard is out this week that is uh, mediocre at best it's just it's just ryan reynolds playing ryan reynolds and <laughs> sam jackson playing sam jackson and the two of them shooting a bunch of people there so you go that could be fun that's it that's uh, it if you're in the mood for that you'd know it and you could watch it and if you're not it's, it's you know you're not going to miss anything and robert pattinson stars in good time now the movie Definitely not a good time, but it is. It's a good movie. It's just not a good time. No, but this is the this is the movie of all everything coming out this week. I would recommend the most highly. And it's more evidence that Robert Pattinson really breaking away from the Twilight roles and showing that he can act. Yes, I think in this movie more than any because he really carries it. He's in very he nearly every scene. But you know what? All of the performances, large and small, yeah. are really really great. Some of them quite surprising, and it's uh, yeah. it's just a fascinating. But don't be don't be misled by the title. No, nobody has a good time. <laughs> nobody has a good time but a good movie and also speaking of young younger actors growing up showing they can act uh, Daniel Radcliffe in Jungle. Yeah, this is another one. It's, this is not a great, great movie, but it is a very good performance. Uh, another based on a true story of uh, 
of an Israeli who goes sort of on a track to, you know, just spend some time before before committing to life. And he goes into the jungle in the, the Amazon with a couple of friends and not great things happen. And it's a true story. It's a fascinating story. The telling is a little bit weak, but his performance, Daniel Radcliffe, is great. Okay, a little bit of a little bit of a lighter week next week, uh, the week after Thanksgiving. We've got He's Out There and BPM to look forward to. Maybe some others uh, in limited release. We'll get to those next week. Until then, let us know what you thought about this group. We've got a bunch out this week. Maybe seeing Pixar's latest Coco or Roman J. Israel or three billboards. Let us know. Easiest way to get in touch is through Twitter. And we are at Mad Wolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at Mad Wolf Columbus. And the main website where you can catch the written reviews to all these movies and also check in with our other podcast. If you like horror movies, we've got one for you. Our horror movie-centric podcast called Fright Club. You can check all that out on the main website, which is madwolf.com. So looking forward to hearing from you. If you can hit us up on social media. And the Screening Room Podcast is sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater. Don't forget that tickets are already on sale for Star Wars The Last Jedi. Man, that's coming up on us, isn't it? It is. Ooh, looking forward to that one. So until next week, I'm George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.